third and final instalment of this year's Eurobliss annual marathon preview jamboree. I just dropped my clap. Uh, I'm still here with me, Mark and me, Juan. We haven't killed each other yet, but apparently it's good to have options. There's halloumi everywhere and there's no wet wipes left. It's getting very tense, but there's a lot of love in the room right now. We've just previewed 24 songs. There's 13 more to go. So if you missed either of our stunning and comparatively sober first two preview shows, then get the onto archives on www.mixcloud.com forward slash Eurobliss. And we're also on... Spotify and uh, Apple Music. Apple you Music. Oh, not Twitter. No, not yet. <laughs> chop, chop. So onwards and upwards. Let's bash this last lord out. Ooh. Now, this final batch of songs were all released within a week of each other and just before the song submission deadline on March the 13th. It was like a musical tsunami. And have you heard the expression "the best is yet to come"? Yeah. Good. (laughs) (laughs) Kicking off this last bunch, we go to a place called Moldova. So there's five acts returning to Eurovision this year. Handsome 36-year-old Pasha Parfany from Moldova is one of them. He came 11th in 2012 with that song about a trumpet and now he's back dressed as a shaman with a song about the sun and the moon. Indeed, the title of his new song is going to be sung in Romanian. So maximum points from us purists for sticking with their natural native Tongue and the live performance is very tribal and features two pretty girls wearing horns, antlers, mm-hmm. and a little person playing the flute. flute. This will be Moldova's 18th entry. They tend to qualify and do quite well. And I think we can expect the same again this year. He co wrote this with a guy called Andre Vulpe. I thought you'd like to know that. And the bookies have this coming 18th. Woohoo! <laughs> Con una 
You know, it's nice having him back again, isn't it? We love a bit of Pasha. We love a bit of Pasha. It, uh, we were saying off mic, but now that you're back with us, listeners, if there was an award for a country that's modest, small in size, with not a great Eurovision pedigree, that absolutely every year surprises us, punches above its weight, and brings quality to Eurovision. San Marino. <laughs> Iceland. Uh, no, it's Moldova, and they've done it again. And actually, there's there's nothing like this in this year's contest. It hits all of that Central Eastern European vibe of ethnicity, some gypsyish feel. Um, I, I, you know, it's, it's, this isn't my natural kind of music, but I so respect it. I so respect its originality and the fact that it's so fresh. And this will stand out in that horribly competitive semi-final one. And, you know, I mean, last year, of course, they surprised us all with horrible juries punishing Moldova and yet coming second in the televote. Tell me about it. They, Ooh, could, they could do some things. I mean, I, it's not going to come second in the televote, but it's going to do much better than people think. So I have this as a surefire qualifier. Yeah, I really, really like this. And it's so different from his previous entry. Uh both the song and the stage performance are hypnotic and transport you away into its ritualistic pagan world. Uh, there are like deep house type vibes with traditional elements that work really well. It's repetitive and trance-like, but without being too monotonous. Uh, there is enough structure in the song to, to take you on a journey. The staging is already good and will get even better. This is absolutely qualifying to the final, and it might be troubling the top 10, I think. Ooh! Ooh, we like it! We're off to Iceland. It's their 36th contest since joining the party in 1986. Their best results were second in 1999 and second in 2009. So they're the least successful of the Scandinavian countries thus far. They always use their Songvakepnin. I love saying that. Songvakepnin national final to select their entry this year. There were two semi-finals, a final and a two-song superfinal sing-off and scoring twice as many televotes as the second-place song was 22-year-old Dilia and her song Power. I'm ready to let you go And hold you back no more And God spreads your wings and fly away And carrying you way too long Like an obsession I thought you were a living part of me But I got my power Oh, no power over me And I take my power 
Okay. <laughs> um, uh, so I, I have um, a small list of countries that have never won the Eurovision Song Contest that I want to win the Eurovision Song Contest. And Iceland has been pretty much with Moldova at the top of that for many, many years. Mm -hmm. And every year when we get on the verge of a release of a song, I just hope and pray that this is the year. And then I heard this and I thought, oh... I mean, I I just... If if this doesn't look like it's going to qualify from semi-final two, what can we say? It's utterly... I think the, I'm, I'm running out of words because I've used vacuous and empty so many times. Vapid is a good word. Vapid. 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 Like, tasteless. Like, utterly... Nah. That's all I've got to say about it. It, it won't qualify. It doesn't serve to qualify. Iceland, you have a brilliant musical heritage. You even had a Eurovision film based in your country recently. Mm -hmm. Do better. Yeah, the problem here is the song. Uh, it just, I just don't connect with it at all. The thing is, like, when I see her perform, she really tries hard to sell it. She almost overperforms it. She sings really well, but she gets a bit too excited. She lies down on the floor. She kicks and weaves on the stage. And I don't know if it really works for the song, uh, but I do sympathize when she's working so hard. I want to like it. I want to like her, but I just don't think it's strong enough. She's trying to give the song some personality by writhing all over the floor. Right, we are going to Serbia, the most successful of the Balkan countries. This will be their 15th attempt, having won on their debut in 2007. Alas, this year Serbia, along with Slovenia and Croatia, are going to have to battle through without support from neighbours in Bosnia, North Macedonia and Montenegro, none of whom, of course, are competing this year. But I don't think that's going to matter very much, because this year Serbia... I've got a little bit of a banger. Winning a very, very professional and slick national final was 30-year-old Luke Black. Not his name. And his song, which will be sung in Serbian and English, is called I Just Wanna Sleep. We all know how he feels. He's taking a leaf out of Constructor's book from last year and going down the arty route as opposed to the traditional Balkan bladder, ba ballad. <laughs> <laughs> Do you need a loo? <laughs> um, bizarrely, he, he only came second in both the jury vote and the televote in the Serbian final, but that gave him enough points to qualify for Liverpool. Sochil and chicken. the world on fire It is all a game to me I don't want to choose my fighter Who's taking control of me Hello? Some of Mrs. Bob No 
Pati tako da ih pobedim Hello? Game over Sorry, top five for me, that one. That's a cracker. I love it, love it. I, this is one of my favorite entries of the year. Like, I'm not sure whether or not Luke Black is LGBTQ, but he certainly uses an aesthetic that resonates with queerness and androgyny. In the music production as well, it definitely sounds a bit of like Sophie and Arka, who are both transgender producers. And also a bit of good old Nine Inch Nails. Uh, nine Inches. <laughs> dark electronic aggression performed by a soft feminine man and it works fantastically well. Love it. Do you know why he chose the name Black? No. He spent 40 days in mourning due to the death of Serbian music. Oh, I thought it was because he was going to be performing at the BBC. <laughs> <laughs> no, but so... And, you know, when you see the national final performance, when he is horizontal on the floor with a microphone in his hand with all these people around him, I immediately thought, oh, Paul Oscar, Iceland. Mm-hmm. He's even got that same slightly kind of... Sort of masculine, feminine, slimy, but interestingly beautiful look slimy. about him. Yeah, slimy. You know, yeah, no, because he's like polished and shiny and his skin is very shiny and he's got this lovely, beautiful you mean black hair. Lubricated rather than slimy, maybe. Well, whatever. He's not slimy in the horrible, nasty way, but just then sort of like oily, ole- oleaginous. Yeah, <laughs> um, the, do you know what's really great about this is the beginning, that, that um, series of chords in that minor theme that immediately thinks, oh, it's not some tap-happy you know, girly bop sort of bit of nonsense. It's something rather intriguing. And if it is the same team as last year with Sretka, who did this fantastic job of getting Serbia into fifth place, there's absolutely no reason why this can't be top 10 this year. I'm not sure it'll do as well as she did last year. But um, even in the horrific business of being third in running order in semi-final one, uh, I think it's sailing through to the final and if they can really nail the staging and make this look super modern and complex and techno-wonderful, 
uh, I think this could be a really surprising number this year. Yeah, very futuristic performance, and it's bonkers, isn't it? And that dance to do at the end. Ooh! So from the good to the bad, not so much the next song, but oh my God, the 7th of March. Ring any bells? Tuesday the 7th of March. Tickets. <laughs> oh. Ooh. Do we know anybody who got a ticket? No. No. no the Swiss made a strategic blunder, as far as I'm concerned, by releasing their song at noon on the 7th of March, which was, of course, at the exact same time and the same day as the hotly anticipated tickets for our beloved show were released. So if you're one of the many thousands who pre-booked your Liverpool accommodation on the assumption that you're going to get a ticket for at least one of the nine shows, but you're queued in vain, then this lovely little Swiss song will have bypassed you completely. The performer is 21, Remo Foray, who won the voice for Switzerland in 2020. It's been composed by a Brit. So we're going to say hello again to Scarborough's Ashley Hicklin. Hey up, Ash. And he has his hand, remember, last year deep in Ockman's River? And I believe that Swedish super stage person Sasha Jean Baptiste will be the stage director for the millionth time, although you, amusingly she's yet to direct a winning song. Remo can play both the flute and the accordion, neither of which feature in this song, so that's a complete waste of time. And it's called Water Gun, and I know Juan likes this because he loves water sports. I 
pain with water gum. Which semi-final is that one in? The first or the second? Regrettably, the first one. Oh, you still qualify. It's a great Ooh. song. No, 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 oh, no, no. I don't know about that. This is somewhere. Ooh. This is coming somewhere between ninth and twelfth, I think. Yeah, this is very borderline. The, the the first thing that strikes me though is the contrast between his boyish face and his very deep voice. Mm. Uh, does anyone know? I mean, he is a little bit like Rick Astley. He kind of, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he sounds like him, he looks like him a little bit. Uh, does anyone know how old he is? I hadn't, I didn't look that up. Uh, so no, I'm now going to twenty one. Twenty one. Oh, very, very young to to have that kind of mature voice. Uh, and the song for me is okay, I guess. Like the typical Eurovision anti-war song, it feels a little bit like a soundtrack rather than more than a than a song. It's very sort of peace, peace, love, love. Although I like the anti-war sentiments. He just looks so innocent and fresh-faced singing about becoming body bags. It just doesn't seem like he would know anything about that, especially coming from Switzerland. Uh, I'm not saying you need to have experienced war to sing about it, but there should be at least a suspension of disbelief that you have a connection to, to the, mater- the source material. Uh, they are in semifinal one, the semifinal of death. If they qualify, it will be by the skin of their teeth. And then, of course, if it does get through, it then falls into that category of a song that does an awful lot better in the grand final because the juries will probably applaud this, particularly if his vocals demonstrate this. I mean, his range on that recording uh, go all the way from those very rich baritones in the opening verse all the way up to the um, pyrotechnics of the of the chorus and the, and, and the bridge and so on. What I slightly regret about this song is that loss of the lyricism of the piano, which you only hear at the beginning and the end, but never anywhere else in the song, which I think would have knitted it together a little bit more melodically. Um, I'm an old-fashioned kind of guy. I like these kind of songs. I somehow feel in a televote 100% era, this just might lose out. Ooh, wise words from my boys, I feel. We're going over to a place called Lotriche next, who haven't made it to a final since coming third in 2018. So there's no pressure then for these two lovely lasses, Taya and Selena. Who, who the hell is Edgar? <laughs> oh, you've ruined me line. <laughs> uh, they wrote this Czech songwriting camp. Oh, lovely. It's a tongue-in-cheek <laughs> critique of the music industry, of course. You'll all remember Austria unsuccessfully tried to do this very same thing back in 1977 with Boom Boom Boomerang. Mm. Is there anything I don't know? <laughs> so the song wins, this song wins the much-coveted... <laughs> ...annual Eurobliss Award for the best song title... Mark's given it away already because he's a cloth. Who the, Who hell, the hell is, is Edgar? Edgar? He is, of course, that most famous of all Edgars, the Alan Poe variety. And since its release on March the 8th, this song has been creeping up the bookmakers' tables and is currently around about 26 to 1. Are we worthy? Oh, my God, you're such a good writer. Oh, it's not me, it's Edgar. Who the hell is Edgar? There's a ghost in my body and he is a lyric.
I should add that uh, most of our reviews are based on the video and not the live performance. Hmm. Which begs the big question. Uh, is Austria going to do what it did last year and plummet from huge expectation on their video of Halo, which had everybody running around saying, oh, it's just going to win its semi-final, to, oh, my God, it's not qualified. Um uh, those of you who've been lucky enough to see the video of this will be treated to one of the most visually entertaining original Eurovision entries in recent times. It is totally witty and, and has such panache and vivacity and dynamism. And, and you know, is it any surprise that the bookmakers have this hot, hot, hot favourite to win semi-final two? It has to qualify. But what does that video look like on the stage? Uh, in the video, you've got these women running around offices and the typewriters everywhere and people leaping around over desks. And you just can't do that in a live performance in Eurovision unless you're actually going to break your skull and, and cause huge amounts of damage on the stage. So they have to find some way of making this very, very witty original song come alive in a rather different way. Mm. And, and I have no idea what that's going to look like. And one other thing to add here before I pass over to Juan... This year is very, very different in Eurovision. We don't get to see these rehearsal True. Yeah, clips yeah, yeah, yeah. in advance. You know, in previous years, uh, two weeks before the final, you got these little videos. No, we don't. They've changed the all the up. rules this year. So this is going to have massive impact on the betting odds because previously you got little sneak previews. You get 20 seconds and then you get like a whole minute or three minutes of the rehearsals and, and between but rehearsal will one... Will there be absolutely no rehearsal footage at all? I think we there will, will get, so we will gonna, get yeah. to see it very late or there'll be leaks of it, which mm -hmm. is going to make things very interesting. But So we, we're going to be in the dark about Austria probably until quite late in the day. But it will be a crime if this is not in the top 10 or even the top five. Yeah, like you say, it totally depends on the staging. And I really hope that they put it together because this has such potential. Taking the concept of ghost riders 
and translating it to a literal joke about being possessed by Edgar Allan Poe for me is fantastic, <laughs> so clever. It is at once a stupid joke, but also a very intelligent observation about art in a capitalist society. Uh, the song is so silly and catchy, but also you know really good, really entertaining. Uh, a great production that suits the song really well, and yeah. It has the potential to win its semifinal and perhaps, like you were saying, top 10, but it could also just crash and burn. It's really, really hard to tell. I really love that this is two women being funny, being humorous and being center stage, taking that kind of space. I love the message, uh, the part in the in the middle, well, there's a part where they go zero, 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 dot three is actually uh, how much you get paid per listen on Spotify. Uh, <laughs> I mean, just incorporating that is so charming and fun. Uh, you know, I wish them all the best. I hope it's great. Useless, yeah. interesting fact to add before we finish. Did you know that Edgar Allan Poe, at the age of 27, married his 13-year-old cousin? Oh, that's nice. It's unusual. It's different. <laughs> Edgar Allan Pedo. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <clears throat> the next two songs were dropped within 24 hours of each other. They both bear similarities. Female soloist, upbeat songs about female empowerment. Let's go to Israel. This will be their 45th Eurovision entry since their debut in 1973. They've won four times, the last time in 2018. And as long ago as August of last year, the Israeli broadcaster internally selected absolutely gorgeous 21-year-old singer, dancer, TV presenter and model Noah Kirel, who, despite her young age, has released many singles in her homeland and she continues to top the charts regularly. Now, she co-wrote her Eurovision entry alongside Doran Medley, who is the guy who wrote Troy for Netta. It's riding high with the bookmakers, around 20 to 1 currently, and it's called Unicorn. However, have you noticed in the video, she's dressed as a centaur and not a unicorn, getting her <laughs> mythical creatures confused... I think if I was a member of the Unicorn Trade Union movement, I would sue. I would sue too. Hello, Israel. Hey, you don't like the way I'm talking, hey. So you stand there, keep on coming names. No, I'm not your enemy, so if you're gonna do it, then do it. Hey. Do you wanna check my DNA? All the stories done to go away And believe in fairy tales, oh
watch me. Do you want to see me dance? I mean, do you want to see me dance? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think that, you know, the feminine, 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 all that part has been stuck on a loop in my head. Uh, <laughs> oh, bless it's, him. It's catchy. It's catchy. <laughs> and it's kind of fun. Like, apparently, a unicorn's main power is healing. However, I couldn't find anything about standing like a unicorn or whether that is any different from just standing like a regular horse. Uh, the entire unicorn thing to me is so cringe. Uh, and it's also very prominent throughout the song. I am having a hard time getting, getting past it, uh, but maybe that's just me. This is a song made for Eurovision in a modern sense. It's made with the live performance in mind. And she seems like she could deliver a really spectacular show. She has the backing of her record company. They're going to be throwing money at this. It's not really for me at all. It's just so plastic and nonsensical. But it will definitely have its audience. And I think it's qualifying. I would prefer it not to qualify, but I fear it might. Um, by the way, did you know that her first international single was called Please Don't Suck? Just a very interesting title for a song. Um, I didn't know that, Mark. Why would you know that? Uh, well, I just did a little bit of research on her. She also had some terrible kidney disease at the age of four or five months. It's a miracle that she's actually here. I think it's her backstory and her trajectory of being an amazingly successful Israeli star that is going to carry her via this record company that Juan referred to into this final I, I it's not the song it's her it's not the song it's the production it's not the song it's the spectacle it's the three minutes of something because if it's just a song it's it's just not there for me uh i mean if it was semi-final two it'd probably be challenging austria for the win but um uh, I hope this doesn't do well in the final if it gets there, because it, 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 it sure ain't cutting edge. Well, let's compare that banger to our next song, which is the much-anticipated entry from our lovely hosts, the Wyom Uni, the first Eurovision song under the reign of our new sovereign, King Charles. Rest in peace. By Jove, the BBC kept it quiet again. There were all sorts of rumours flying around, but in the end, none of them were true. As you'll be aware, the UK's recent Eurovision record is appalling. But thanks to the Jesus hippie that is Sam Ryder, we're finally back on track. So it's been 25 years since the UK won with Katrina and the Waves, which is coincidentally the age of May Muller, who's been selected to sing for the United Kingdom. She's from Kentish Town in London. She's released several singles since 2018, notably Better Days, which you'll all know was an international hit back in 2021. I've never heard of it. And she's co-written the UK entry with Karen Poole and Lewis Thompson, and it's called... I wrote a song and we've drawn the pimp slot number 26 last on stage, closing the show on the big night and I was scratching my brain if ever the host has been last on stage before and I can think of twice, can you? 
Denmark 2001. Correct. And... Oh, um, possibly Italy in 1991. Well done, yes. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I showed him the answers there. And when was the last song that went last in the running order to win the Eurovision Song Contest? Are we probably talking Luxembourg, 83? Si la vie yes. est un cadeau. That's what I say. But has the host country ever been last on stage and won? No. So will this be a first? No. No. <laughs> Oh, don't spoil it. Let's listen to it. <laughs> So the UK is seemingly getting its act together, but second place last year was way above anyone's realistic expectations. And 
I don't think it's fair to have those kind of expectations now. In comparison to what the UK has sent before, this is actually quite good. Uh, but in comparison to the rest of the Eurovision field, this is decent, but it doesn't really stand out. Uh, in the production, there is like quite a bit of Latin-influenced production, especially in the beat. There are like these Spanish guitars happening out, and it really reminds me of Chanel from last year. Even the chorus does a similar thing, where it repeats one note. Like instead, I wrote a song. Ah 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 da na. Very Chanel, but Chanel's performance was packed and fleshed out to bursting with different kind of wow moments, both like vocal runs and in the in the dance, in the choreography. I saw the Barcelona preview party performance of I Wrote a Song and I wouldn't say that there were any vocal or dancing wow moments. Now, uh, they were saying that she was ill, so maybe she couldn't perform those. Uh, It wasn't terrible or anything, but the entry is going to be relying on her charisma and stage presence, I would think. She definitely has that in heaps, but is that enough for a Eurovision stage? Um... If she performs really well, maybe maybe top 20, but I think this is going to be bottom five. Uh, not because it's bad. I think it's just missed the mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I first heard this, I had a very negative reaction, which was, oh, God, it's a f- utterly forgettable girly bop. Uh, and then the more I heard it, the more it began to stick in my mind, regrettably. And the word earworm is a very um, ambiguous term. It can either mean something that is pleasantly attractive that grows on you or something that annoys you to death, that rather like a bad you know, ear infection you can't sort of get out of your brain. Um, Uh, this certainly has been a bit of an earworm. The, the thing that really annoys me about the song is this bridge about three quarters of the way through when she goes into this Essex girl accent and starts doing this Amy Winehouse with attitude, pointing a finger at the camera stuff. I, I think that doesn't belong in the song at all. I think the draw is, for all of the um, consensus about a late draw being good, I think going last... You know, people are drunk. They've made their mind up about which song they're voting for. Their decisions are pretty well made by that time. And I think, therefore, if I was stabbing a guess at this, and let's hope that that Barcelona performance isn't typical of what she's going to produce on the 13th of May, I think this is coming somewhere between about 17 and 20th. There's just one thing I'd like to maybe disagree with you slightly on is the the Emmy Winehouse part, as you say. I think... As someone who lives in England and is English, uh, you find that annoying. But someone from outside looking in will maybe like it because it is just a caricature of being English. Just like Lazara is kind of a caricature of being French. It's not for the French. This is not exactly for the English. We find it annoying. But I think maybe Europe will respond to that as, oh, that's very English, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's maybe a little Britain moment. Yeah, something. (laughs) (laughs) Well, being last on stage, you really need to leave the audience on a high and I can't see that that's going to be high enough there's no like key change there's no pyrotechnic moment there's no wind machine moment do you just, know what I mean? Just a Lazenda Spain had exactly the same problem it had this great upbeat potential party number mm. but it went it was last wasn't it in the running order mm. and then it went oh is that all we're going to end with oh it's not that great is it I, I think it falls into that potential kind of trap and of course the last time the UK closed the competition was uh, Molly with Children of the Universe, and it got 39 votes and came fifth from last. (laughs) 
On the BBC webpage, someone wrote that this is the kind of thing a 13-year-old would dance to in a Bulgarian disco. That's on the BBC webpage, written by a BBC journalist. That uh, <laughs> maybe says it all. Right, let's move on to the next one. Where are we? Sweden! Uh, this will be Sweden's 62nd Eurovision. They always have a national final. It's called Melody Festivalen, or Melfest, or Mello, or MF, or whatever you want to call it. It's bigger in Sweden than Eurovision itself. Is that right? Ooh, it's neck and neck. Ooh, I love you when you say that. <laughs> <laughs> this year, as ever, there were 28 songs shortlisted and after a marathon, four heats, one semi-final and a final spanning six weeks, we eventually have our winner, the hot favourite from the off. It was never going to be anybody else but 2012 champion Noreen and her new song, Tattoo or Euphoria Part 2, as I call it. Anyway, uh, the song's been written by the same team that gave was Euphoria namer, namely Peter Bostrom and the legendary Thomas Jason. Eurovision will be bleak and meaningless without them. <laughs> They've been thrilling us all with their wonderful compositions <laughs> since 2001. <laughs> Can Lorene give Sweden a record-breaking seventh victory and in turn put her name in the great Eurovision Hall of Fame for being the only female act ever to win Eurovision twice? Can she do it? Can she do it? Can she do it? Maybe, probably, probably. Nah. To be loved 
So yeah, so okay, in uh, 2012, Loreen won Eurovision with Euphoria. And then in 2017, she competed in Melody Festival in Yen with Statements and she didn't even get to the final. So Statements was in many ways ahead of its time, bridging a gap between art installation, theatre and music production. I absolutely loved it. Uh, and this is something that we have started seeing in later years in Eurovision. Uh, but Eurovision has caught up with the vision that Loreen presented in 2017. And interestingly, Loreen has sort of kind of gone back to basics. This is not a continuation of statements, but rather Euphoria 2.0. Um, it's a very well-crafted pop song by Masters of the Craft, but to me it's almost a bit dated and like overly familiar. Uh, but just as with Euphoria, it's Loreen's voice and stage performance together with some extremely high-level staging that lift an okay pop song into an emotional and impactful journey. This is absolutely the favorite to win. Uh, but it's a very different contest this year from when Loreen won with a similar song. So I don't think Victory for Sweden is in any way written in stone. I can see perhaps Spain beating Sweden in the jury vote and Finland beating Sweden in the televote. But the combined results, I would still say, is currently in Sweden's favour. What you have to remember about Sweden this year uh, is... I would say staging 10 on 10, artistic vocal presence of Loreen 10 on 10, song 6 on 10. So that's a score of 26 on 30. Is that enough to win? Um, the staging is extraordinary for those of you listening to this who haven't seen it, but she's in the middle of a, what, what I would call like a digital hamburger. Uh, <laughs> There's like this... Uh, Loreen Butty. Yeah, Loreen Butty. She's the sort of sandwich spread in the filling. So there's like an illuminated top layer and an illuminated bottom layer. And there's so little space between these two bits of the crust. And she's lying flat and singing amazingly, really, horizontally for the first part of the song. Then the space opens up. And so as the space opens up and the ceiling rises, you get these wonderful visual effects uh, of the space that she occupies. Big, big question mark. Does the 1.8 tonnes of staging that was used at Melody de Festivalen get transported to Liverpool and used mm. there? We're being told no. So can they replicate this in a lightweight souffle version? Uh, or do, do they have to completely go back to scratch and come up with something different? Because if they lose that staging, everyone now, now looks associates that look with this song. If it's suddenly they don't have that song, it's like Bucks Fizz without the skirts coming off. What would you do in, in its place? Mm. She's in big trouble. So that's why the fact that the bookies have this as a red-hot, even-money favourite to win, there are still big question marks about it because ultimately it's a song contest, even though it's a televisual event. And the song just feels as though it's so manufactured and fabricated. Um, however brilliantly done it is, uh, it leaves you feeling a bit cold. 
Claustrophobia. <laughs> For me, it's finger bobs. You know those nails? Look, Euphoria was a lot more convincing than this. A, because it came first and all the rest of it, because there hadn't been anything like it before. And, and it's as though we're being given all, all of the movements, all of the kind of semi-cape bushisms about her hair and hand movements and jerkiness. It's like... Oh, is that all you've got? In 2012, Euphoria was contemporary pop. Tattoo is not contemporary pop anymore. You know Finland! what I mean? Finland! <laughs> I don't think it'll be very good for the show if she wins, because it's just... Anyway, uh, let's move on to... It the... would make them the equal with Ireland, mm -hmm. seven times winning top of the league Eurovision country. Portugal is their 54th Eurovision song. All their entries over the years have come from the Portuguese festival do Cansao, and they've all been performed in Portuguese or Portuguese in English, apart from one. Anyway, um, they won just once, thanks to, of course, Salvador Sobral in 2017. And if you check out the history of Portugal, you'll realise that they actually do much better than you think. They do much better than many other countries, even though they've only qualified for the final seven out of 16 times. Last year they came ninth, which is very, very good. This year's representative is Marisa Mena, a.k.a. Mimi Cat. She's co-written her song. It's called O Curaçao, Oh My Heart. It's a welcome slice of cabaret. Another perfect example of Portugal doing Portugal. It's an explosion of taffeta, and it's about 200 to 1 with the bookmakers. Deixas em paz, não me das sossego, não me deixas capaz. Tenho a cabeça e a garganta num nó que não se desfaz e nem assim tu tens dó. Sinto-me tonta cada dia pior. Já não sei de coisas que sabia de cor. As pulsações subiram quase para mim. As horas passam e o sono não vem Ouço as corujas e os vizinhos também O meu juízo foi-se por lá ficou Alguém me tira deste estado em que estou Fazer amor pra mim assim não dá 
Fresher. You know, there's a line in it. I'm lost in another dimension. I am now a huge mess. <laughs> that could be your catchphrase, couldn't it? I love, love it. it. Yeah. Love your anthem. <laughs> I mean, that's my grinder profile. <laughs> Isn't she so, fabulous? She's um, she's like a blonde minx <laughs> in this wonderful nightclub cabaret setting. Um and for those of us who had the pleasure to view the national final performance, um, simple but very effective staging of five people around her leaping on and off a sofa beside her and looking at her and admiring her and then retiring away, leaving her by herself and then coming back to accompany her there. It had such dynamism. And so she wasn't left alone on the stage. But on the other hand, she had such immense presence vocally and physically that if the camera was on her and nobody else, it really didn't matter. Mm. So it was just fabulously colourful, simplistic, vibrant. And, you know, you listen to all that plastic pap that I'm afraid is the description of at least a third of the songs we've listened to for this year's Eurovision. And this one is absolutely head and shoulders above that. Uh, is it up there with uh, Love is on my side and Saudade Shudade from the last two years? I'm not sure, but I would not at all be disappointed if it ended up in the top 10. I'd just be relieved if it qualified. Yeah, I mean, I love Portugal in the Eurovision and the, last year, Saudade was my favourite entry. Uh, sorry, I've lost my ball. <laughs> I lost my bearings, oh my God. <laughs> Surely not. <laughs> uh, here we go. This is uplifting, it is charming, it's very different, like what Mr. Daniel Gould would say, it ploughs its own furrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, is a, there is an edge and a personality to her uh, live that I really like and I really respond to. It serves to counteract the, like the, the sweetness of the track. It could easily have been like overly sweet and like a little bit too much. Uh, it is a fun track from Portugal. That was quite a while ago, I think. And even though it's in a tough semi-final, you know, I am rooting for this. I want this to qualify. I the, hope the, it goes the, through. There's something that hasn't been said so far in any of our three podcasts. It's a really simple point, but I think it's a really important point. There's something wonderfully magnetic about watching an artist utterly enjoying themselves on the stage. Mm-hmm. You know, that really transmits itself. You you as a mm. viewer, even if you don't particularly like the song, you look at them, I think they call it relatability. You know, you just think, wow, look at her. She's just so fabulous. She's just having such a great time. And I think she exudes this hugely, you know, perhaps more so than any of the artists we've seen. I think you you can compare her to Iceland, for instance, where Iceland is like really performing and selling it, but I don't think... Doing a job. Yeah, but I, I, I think I don't think she looks, she looks very comfortable in the song. I don't think she is enjoying herself all that much. It doesn't look like it. Yeah. 
Uh, whereas Portugal completely is in her element, or she's selling it as if it, she was. She looks as though she's a woman who's been given a hundred songs to sing, possibly from her karaoke list, and has chosen her favourite, and has got three minutes, and is going to have a fantastic time doing it for you, and she's going to give it to you, and that is worth its weight in gold in Eurovision. So, boa sorte. Good luck. One hundred songs. Good grief. We're going over to Greece now. It'll be Greece's 43rd Eurovision song since 1974. They usually send something that sounds Greek, which pleases our purest souls. Now, the Greek broadcaster, ERT, have been internally selecting their artists for the last few years. Alas, their good fortune seems to be going on a downward spiral of late. Now, this year, there were just seven songs shortlisted, and on March the 12th, it was announced that 16-year-old... 16-year-old mm-hmm. Victor Vernicor will represent his country with his self-penned song, What They Say. A huge task for one so young. But on the bright side, he will never be as young as Sandra Kim. So that's a positive. This is his seventh single, which is amazing given his youth. And he says he wants to inspire people with his song. So let's sit back and be inspired by Victor. Late August Feet start to shake, heart starts to ache, can't focus Panic, I lay on the floor and I hate that I'm holding on My lungs will break, can't stop to make my mind up Time starts to rain, clouds not afraid of the pain they're giving Anxious the way I'm breathing Can't say that I am longing for it And either they don't break my spirit Insane and I can tell who's winning Wish this was something I could just ignore Well you know what they say Lassos make sure no one loses the way Can't stand seeing others in pain Oh, I am both Now I got too much on my plate And I save all the others Cause for me it's too Nostalgic mind I miss the days when my heart wouldn't ache And I'm drowning I'm quick, sound the life we don't live to die. Now I'm trying to fight all of the lights that leave me so blind as a writer. But I'm not an actor, no, I don't live my own life and I hate my feelings. I'm overwhelmed and heated. Can't say that I am longing for another day to my spirit insane and i can tell who's winning wish this was something i could just ignore well you know what they say our souls make sure no one loses their way hurt ones can't stand seeing others in pain oh i am both now i got too much on my and I save all the others Cause for me it's too Oh yeah Well you know what they say Our souls make sure No one loses the way 
too much on my plate But I save all the others Cause for me it's too late Oh, I miss the Greek language. Um, and for me, that doesn't sound very Greek at all. Ooh, what do you reckon? I mean, this kid is only 16. He has a very mature voice for that age, but the song is just not dynamic enough for me. There's not enough going on. Uh, something needs to happen either in the production or perhaps in the composition. Some, like, moments that catch you... Uh, I find it difficult to sit through the entire song without getting distracted and wanting to do something else. We were very talking throughout the song without paying attention because it's like, yeah, it's uh, symptomatic. <laughs> I can't, I can't really find any videos of him performing for large crowds. It seems like he's basically being snatched from recording YouTube videos in his bedroom to performing in front of millions of viewers. I cannot even imagine the pressure. I hope that there is a team around him helping him with this stuff. I think 16 is a bit too young for adult Eurovision, actually, simply because of the pressure, not because he's any better or worse as an artist because of his age. Uh, anyway, I, I hope he does really well. I wish him all the best. But hang on a minute. If you hope he does really well, that means it might qualify. And if that, well, I mean, I just hope if that well qualifies, it will pollute the contest. No, I, for for him as an artist, because he's so young. Oh, you I know? know, I know, I know. Uh, let's hope he will get over the disappointment of not qualifying <laughs> very soon and get a therapist because this song is rubbish. It and you know. Uh, Greece, you've ha ended up 10th and 8th in the last two years. You've come back into your own. You've, you know, outperformed your expectations in terms of achievements in the last couple of years, and you've turned up with this. Uh, I mean, this is up there with Romania for me in terms of, and San Marino, in terms of forgettability. So I've got nothing more to say about it without being really rude. Yeah, he's in semi-final two, and I think it's probably better for him not to qualify from that than to qualify and then lose in the final. Oh, this would mm. come probably, last. That's this, probably, this, it's probably a mercy for him this, not to qualify. Yeah, right? this would be a really great asset for the UK <laughs> if, it, if it got to the final, because it would provide a little bit of buffer at the bottom. A bit of fodder, yeah. <laughs> Okay, three to go. The last three songs were dropped after the song submission deadline. So I think to clarify, it means that the artists must be announced before the deadline, but their song can appear a few days later. Anyway, it's uh, going to Azerbaijan, and indeed the following country, Armenia, are always the last out of the stalls, so to speak, keeping their cards close to their handsome, hairy chest like it's a big official secret. Azerbaijan's participated at Eurovision 14 times since the debut in 2008. They have great success with five top five results, and of course they won in 2011. Now, it's been a while since we had twins. We have 22-year-old brothers, Tural and Turan Bagmanov. They are the Sofia Magali of Azerbaijan. And they've written their own song, it's called Tell Me More, but I can't tell you anymore because this is their first ever single. So they're probably going to be very, very nervous. Indeed, I'm very nervous for them. Good luck, boys. <laughs> Be here with me. It's 
cry If I ever learn again to feel the way I did I'll die from the emotions that I kept down for years, baby Tell me more about me Scousy Beatley there, isn't it, really? Absolutely. We, we played a little uh, game while that was playing, which was like, you don't know which country that song is from, and you sit down blind and you have to guess where it's coming from, and you think, uh, the Netherlands, Ireland, um, Belgium, Germany, Azerbaijan. Not Azerbaijan. What is going on here? Is it the Scouser Beatles Mercy side effect? I don't know. <laughs> um, the, 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 the problem with this song, well, there are many problems with this song, but one of them <laughs> is that uh, it suffers from one characteristic that many of the songs suffer from this year. There's this creeping rapability thing, <laughs> which is you, you have to get some rap into a song, at least for 30 seconds, otherwise it isn't a proper song. And as someone who hates rap... Um, this you think is, it's crap, don't you? Yeah, rap is crap. I'm sorry, <laughs> those of you out there who love it. I call it Love City Grooveitis, you know. <laughs> Just don't do it. So um, it's so distressing to see a country like Azerbaijan, which has only failed to qualify once before, so low down in the odds to qualify. So can you close the door properly? I think oh, it's... shut that door. Yeah. <laughs> shut that door and I really mean it. <laughs> Thank you. So was a weak closing it, so I do apologise. Uh, yes, I mean, this is so bland and inoffensive. Yet there is something a bit chill and nice about the chorus, but it is, like Mark says, it's not enough to counteract the horror of the rapped verses. I just wanted to stop... <laughs> if I'm honest, I almost can't be bothered to listen and I don't think this is qualifying. It's not Baku 2024, is it? It's, it's not, no, you're right there. 
Two more to go, and two very interesting ones to finish off with. I've mentioned it's Armenia next, their 15th appearance at Eurovision since the debut in 2006. It's belching there, excuse me. <laughs> uh, their best result is fourth in 2008 and fourth in 2014. Now, last year they came 20th with the song Snap, sung by Rosalind, which went on to become a massive hit across the world. So it just goes to show you don't need to win Eurovision to become a success. So there's hope for everyone. This year we have 21-year-old Brunette, that's her hair colour and her stage name. She was internally chosen by the Armenian broadcast to sing for her country. The song was called Future Lover and it'll be sung in a mixture of English and Armenian. Not that you'll be able to decipher much of her English, but just so you know, she wants to drink smoothies in near cafes. I just want to make art read books and just find someone who likes me enough to kiss my face. I wanna explore with him and visit all bookstores and cute little things like drinks, movies and new cafes. Oh, 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 drinks, movies and new cafes. Oh, 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 a future lover. Steadily, I hope our love is quite outside the love inside of baby. Our future love, this song I wrote for you. This song I wrote for you, my future love. I decide to be good, to good, I decide to be good, to good, I decide to be good, to song what do you make of it boys it starts off very appealingly uh and then after about a minute 10 minute 15 seconds falls into this kind of rappy trough i've referred to this terrible tendency so far in other songs just to inject 
completely <laughs> meaningless rap into songs. It, it's as though, you know, you've got your CD remote in your hand and somehow you've pressed jump track and it's gone into another song. I, I just don't see how that material belongs in the heart <laughs> of that song. Uh, they'd established a very good melodic presence, very good feel to the song, and then suddenly, you know, jump to straight into a, a different kind of song. So, I, you know, it, it's Armenia. It'll have a lot of support. It's in that week semi-final. It'll probably creep through, but it, it, it's, it's not a strong contender. Yeah, the lyrics in the beginning go, I just want to find someone who likes me enough to kiss my face. <laughs> something about that that is so hilarious don't we all <laughs> don't you want to kiss my face lick me now <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, it's a, for me it's a very well done modern composition again composed with a live performance in mind so I think the disconnection of the different parts will make sense once it is staged uh, however the rap part oof, I don't know if it works for me The English isn't very strong, so why then rap in English? Uh, anyway, let's see how it goes live. Uh, however, when she starts to sing in Armenian by the end, it really lifts the song several levels for me. It just sounds more authentic to her voice. Uh, this has the potential to be very impactful on the night. And let's see if they pull it off. I don't know. Begs the question, why not do the whole thing in Armenian? Exactly. Exactly. This would be a completely different entry if they did, and it would be... We would be talking maybe top 10, I think. Yeah, then. it would be having that Moldova, you know, cutting-edge ethnicity feel mm -hmm. about it. But that's what this contest this year so lacks. Uh, we've been blitzed with boy bands and and um, a sort of plasticity. Um, there's a general message, I think, this year, which is that people really need to, when this dust settles on this contest, they should go back to their roots and start digging deep and, and giving to Eurovision what their own musical roots say to them, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been a while since Armenia had a good result, so maybe, maybe this is their year. Who can say? So we are now on to our last song. Well done, boys. 37 songs. This is the last one. Oof. As you might say, or, or the slowest or the least organised country to drop their song for Liverpool. It's Georgia. This is their 15th entry like Armenia since their debut in 2007. Their highest place is ninth in 2010 and ninth in 2011. But they failed to qualify to the final since 2017, actually coming last in their semi-final last year with a much underrated and wonderful Circus Mercus. This year sees the return to Eurovision of a previous winner, albeit the junior version. She's called Iru. She was a member of the girl group Candy, who won junior Eurovision back in 2011 with a smash hit song, Candy Music. You'll all remember that one. Mm -hmm. Since then, she's won The Voice, Georgia, last year, which subsequently has given her the ticket to represent her country at Eurovision this year. Now, Georgia have a reputation of being kind of Eurovision's bad boys. They kind of always do their own thing. Let's see what you make of this one.
So I've looked at the lyrics and I cannot discern any meaning at all from them. Uh, let's call them stream of consciousness lyrics by Google Translate. Uh, <laughs> nonsensical lyrics notwithstanding, this is by far my biggest grower of the year. And it is one of my absolute favorites. It is absolutely epic. It's epic. It's effing epic. Uh, it's engaging. And for me, this is the best Georgian entry since Visionary Dream. Uh, it feels ancient and Georgian, but also contemporary. It would not be out of place in sort of Game of Thrones. It would be even better if it was not in English, but still... This is a fantastic effort from Georgia, and I can't wait to see what they do on stage. Love it, love it, love it. I, I'm not quite as enthusiastic as that, <laughs> but it would be hard to uh, equal that. Um, um, <laughs> Georgia was very hard done by last year. Circus Mercus, I mean, it's ridiculous that that came last. So, you know, it's good to see them with a fabulous chance of qualifying this year. And if they don't qualify, there's no justice in the world particularly in the second semi-final. Um, well, it, it, it's odd, isn't it? You can't make sense of any lyrics because they don't really make sense. It's all it's almost like Sanomi, Belgium, you know, series of sounds yeah. lending itself <laughs> to music and you, like Esperanto, have to go along with it. Sort but of pretending to be English. Pretending to be English. It's called Echo. Maybe there's a title that gives rise to that. Maybe... It, echo is what it's all about. It's, there's no obvious meaning to it. But it's it's a sensation of majesty and and dominion and presence in the world somehow. It's that it's this this woman almost like rises above creation, holding mm-hmm. her hands out, inviting you to explore it with her. That's that's the kind of feeling I get from the music. Um it feels very celebratory and very uplifting. And it makes you feel good about yourself. And I think at that level alone, I think it will hit an emotional um, touch with people. So um, well done, Georgia. You're going through to your first final for a long time. And I think whatever they come up, they'll get through and uh, probably do very well in their semi-final, which will lead them to get a decent draw in the final, either sort of halfway through the contest or towards the end. The jurors should be kind to this, I think. Yeah. So that's 37 songs. Poof, blimey. Between now and the contest itself, there's going to be lots of revamping, remixing and usual promotional tours. This year there's pre-parties in Barcelona, that's already been. Warsaw, Madrid, Amsterdam, London, blah, 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 blah. And then the delegations will all pile over to their overpriced hotels in Liverpool in the pouring rain about two weeks before the contest in readiness for the merciless rehearsal schedule. Then the bookmakers will begin to weave their magic. Now, is it too early to know what you're going to do on the big night, Mr Mark? We have... uh, Given the fact we haven't got tickets for the final because because of these horrible (laughs) touts who've used their computer bots to steal all the tickets and sell them at overinflated prices, uh, we are left with an option of going to Liverpool on the night to either queue to go into the Eurovision Village. If the weather's great, fabulous. If the weather's awful, better to be indoors in a restaurant or a cinema, seated and enjoying it with lots of Prosecco and, um, yeah, enjoying a, a, a good viewing of the competition. 
if that all fails, there's the option of, of course, my magisterial apartment in Manchester. <laughs> so one way or the other, we will be seated. I think being seated, I don't think any of us can stand for five We're hours. We're too old now to stand. No, standing yeah. for five hours. I mean, speak no, sorry. for yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you're younger. I'm happy to stand. You're I'm young. not young, but I'm happy to stand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, but I think, I think the weather is going to make a huge yeah. impact on all this, you know? Yeah, and also... You know, I yeah, I really want to go to Liverpool because we're not that far away. However, this, there's a certain trend that seems to be happening where ev- all the prices have like exploded. And I'm wondering if that's going to be a general theme like during that week that ev- like in everywhere in Liverpool, the price is going to be like really expensive. Getting in anywhere is going to be really expensive. The drink's really expensive. I don't know. Uh, I feared that. We'll see. I don't know. I don't know. There's a promo, five-minute promo thing going around on YouTube about Liverpool and how they're getting ready for this Eurovision, and they've really pulled their hearts out. It's fantastic. The amount of things that they're doing in those two weeks of Eurovision is incredible. Um, and the amazing thing uh, is also they've asked for people to volunteer as Eurovision ambassadors, uh, and I, I, that's one particular thing that appeals to me enormously, that... Three, four, five hundred people have been asked for ten days to be meters and greeters at the railway stations oh, and at the airports and in the bars. People with some language skills are <laughs> quite difficult if you're British. Uh, but actually, you know, and even if you don't have those language skills, it doesn't matter. Uh-huh. To, to show a friendly, welcoming face. And all, they've been absolutely inundated with volunteers, which is fabulous because basically, if you're flying in from um, Tbilisi, uh, or, or Baku, and you've never been to the UK before, you're going to be met with a bunch of scousers at the airport saying, Hey, it's fancy some chicken, lad. Some chicken? I think the atmosphere there is going to be electric. It's going to be Crazy. amazing. Even if you don't have a ticket, just being there is going to be fantastic, especially as, as a Eurovision fan. So yeah. I think I definitely want to go. And some of us are going to a little theatrical performance on the 10th of May called A Thong for Europe. <laughs> which, which is about a local Liverpudlian lesbian woman who just happens to write the winning song for the Eurovision Song Contest. Of course, it's all fiction, as if that could ever happen. Uh, <laughs> but it's Jonathan Harvey who wrote the wonderful, um, beautiful thing. Gimme, um, gimme, gimme. Yeah, so um, that's something to look forward to as well. Now then, one more question to both of you. A very exciting question. What is your song of the year, including national finals? Is there a song of 2023 which you can't get out of your heads? I mean, okay, so my favourite is, of course, Spain, but uh, of the national finals that didn't qualify, I have to say Hoidamut uh, from Finland. I found it so catchy and the lyrics were fantastic. Actually, I know it by heart. I know the chorus by heart. Ooh, go on, sing it. She's uh, <laughs> out of the way. I shouldn't have said that once again. There we go. <laughs> you know, you're right. You yeah. are borderline genius or mentally disturbed. Uh, maybe, maybe. Bit of column A, bit of column D. <laughs> uh, Sorry to be so obvious, but it's Finland again, but it's this year's entry. Uh, I will cry if Carrier doesn't win this year because there hasn't been for me... And it, it, This is, you know, I, I'm an old, boring, 
ballad-loving piano Duncan say, Lawrence it... arcade person. I love the French chanson. I should not be liking this. If I like this, if I have such passion for this song, what does that say? It's the fact that somebody like me can be so drawn to this song gives me hope for its prospects of success. Because if I, as a 63-year-old man who likes Frank Sinatra and Bing Crosby, <laughs> uh, can <laughs> vote for Carriar over and against Loreen, that means it's got a chance. Mm -hmm. uh, and basically, Loreen will come and go and it will be forgotten. But this song, I tell you something, in 10 years' time, we'll be seeing and playing Carrier and dancing to it and we'll have forgotten about her. So he's won already. For me, there's only one song. There's only one song I've played endlessly since I heard it in January, and that is Carrier. Um, well, that's two votes. It's well, crazy. It's three, it's three votes it's for party. Finland. It's three votes for Finland. Finland, you win this year. I mean, Sweden, what is it, a two-ton ceiling? Finland, a bit of wooden pallet, and she blows, he blows Loreen off. Can I say that? <laughs> the stage. <laughs> the stage. I mean, it's clear who we want to win, but who do you think is going to win? I feel Loreen's going to win. Yeah. But, I mean, the thing with uh, the Finnish song, my favourite song never wins. So because, uh... purely because I'm giving it the kiss of death, I don't think it's going to win. It'll probably come by eighth. I hope it's not going to be a fan wank. Um, no, 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 no. This is the telephone winner, the, 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 top, the top two songs this year are going to be Sweden and Finland, but we don't know the order. Mm. I think I have absolutely no doubt about that. Well, I would imagine Finland will win the televote. Anyway, anyway, anyway. As ever, I can't thank my team enough for their valuable input. We wish you all an amazing Eurovision. Remember, by the Saturday night, all the artists are going to be absolutely knackered. They've been under great duress for two weeks with rehearsals and interviews without the love of family and friends to guide them. So please support all of them. And we'll be back in this little Eurobliss booth for our annual post-mortem podcast at the end of May in which we will apologise unapologetically for our heinous predictions. So till then, wear face masks and have lots of sex. Tati bye for now. Bye! bye. 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 bye.